first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Avon from Iowa. Today we'll be talking about Turn Every Page, Outer Banks, Creed 3, and We Have a Ghost. And first up, we'll be reviewing Turn Every Page with Catherine. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. So to start us off, can you just give a brief summary of what this documentary is about? Yeah, so this documentary is about Robert Caro, who is a Pulitzer Prize winning author, and Robert Gottlieb, who is an editor. And so it's about their experience working together writing uh, and editing uh, The Power Broker, and then also the biographies of Lyndon B. Johnson. That sounds really cool. It is. It was really interesting to learn about everything that goes into writing a book, especially a nonfiction book, and it was very informational. So uh, was there anything in particular that like caught your attention throughout the documentary? I think the fact that there was so little that I knew about these people that he wrote the book about. So President Lyndon B. Johnson, of course, was our president. Uh, So there was a lot of stuff that I had not even known and that a lot of people, I feel like, especially in our generation, did not know or would not have known. Uh, But also there's uh, The Power Broker, which is another one of Robert Caro's books. Uh, It's about Robert Moses, who I'd never heard about. And it was just really interesting to learn about these people that I didn't really know much about or I didn't know about at all and all of the power and influence that they had in their communities and their country. So did it like explain what the books were about in the film? Yeah, so it it described what the books were about and how uh, Mr. Caro wrote the books, like what he did, how he researched and what he decided to put in and not put in. But I think that there's a lot that isn't said because these are long books and it's a commitment to read. So I think that they're kind of giving you a taste of what the book might be like. Uh, so it's it's satisfying enough. But if you want to learn more, then it's kind of setting you up to read the book, I guess. <laughs> that sounds like a really good way to use cinema to like promote a book. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> it is. Uh, so was there any like ways that you or you think others could connect to this documentary? I think those who really like reading and really maybe have a passion for writing or maybe are interested in, in our distribution and yeah, I think just the relationship of these very important people in the literary community. I think that people who like books uh, or are interested in anything like that will connect to it in a really good way. That sounds uh, like a really nice way to make a documentary. Yeah, it is. And it was really just interesting. I'm not like a writer or a reader, but I always it was really interesting to listen to even not like a writer or a reader. So how do you think that they, like, I guess, tied the cinematography aspects in while also making sure to stick to, like, the story of the documentary? So when they were talking to the, uh, they were talking to Dex, uh, so it, a couple of celebrities, a couple of family members of Mr. Caro and 
sleep. And they just kind of set that up into where like a normal documentary where they were sitting. But for the other things, I think that all of the shots that they were like cinematography, it all lined up with what the voiceover was and what subjects were talking about. Uh, so let's say they were in an archive uh, area, then they would be talking about that. It was all very on track and connected. That sounds really cool. It was. And uh, what do you think the message of this documentary is? I think that it really the purpose of this documentary, it doesn't really have a message per se. I think just follow your passions is one of the messages, but it really just highlights the shared dedication and working relationship of uh, Robert Caro and Robert Gottlieb. And uh, to finish this off, what would you give this for uh, a star rating and age recommendation? I would give it five out of five stars and I would recommend it for ages 12 to 18, but especially adults. So thank you for talking with me today. Thank you. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Turn Every Page, Outer Banks, Creed 3, and We Have a Ghost. Right now we're switching over to review Outer Banks with Catherine. Hi again. Hello again. So again, to start us off, could you just give a short summary of this show? Yeah, so this is the third season and the story of the Pogues continues uh, almost right where we left off with John B., JJ, Kiara, Sarah, and Cleo. And they're all stranded on an uninhabited island that they named Poglandia. But eventually they get rescued from the island and things go south and the search for treasure is not over yet. And I guess, how would you describe it for like someone who's hasn't seen any of the seasons yet? So it's basically about five kind of teenagers, well, four teenagers, one young adult. I'm not really sure how old Cleo is, but they're all pretty young. Uh, and so they've been looking for treasure. Uh, they've been looking for a ship called the Royal Merchant, which was said to have uh, $400 million worth of gold. Uh, but once they found it, it got stolen. Uh, this is from the previous two seasons. It got stolen. Uh, so they kind of shifted their attention to maybe finding some gold, like El Dorado. Uh, they're very good treasure hunters. They're very intelligent group of teenagers. Uh, I'd say that's probably the best way I can explain it. Uh, they lived in North Carolina, but they're kind of all over the place now, like in the Caribbean and lots of places. That sounds like a really cool uh, setup for a show. It is. And it's it's like an adventure series. So it has a lot of treasure hunting and, uh, you know, plot twists. It's high stakes. And there's also some romance. Uh, it's just a really great mix of all sorts of stuff. And uh, how would you describe the acting, I guess, in the show? All of the actors are so talented. Uh, honestly, everybody, I could not complain about the acting. Uh, but I think that my favorite performances were from Chase Stokes, who plays John B., uh, Charles Hanford, who plays Big John, uh, John B.'s dad, and Andy McQueen, who plays Mr. Singh. So Chase Stokes' character goes through so much emotionally uh especially in this season and 
I really believe him. He's he's really believable and realistic. Uh, and so we haven't seen very much of Charles Hanford as Big John in the first two seasons because I didn't mention this, but he was missing, uh, presumed dead. So it was really entertaining uh, and interesting to get to know him more and see what kind of person he is. And Mr. Singh is a new character uh, in the series, but I feel like his character fits really well with the plot. And Andy McQueen portrays him perfectly. I can really sense all of the background uh, and all of like his past, even though we never really see it. And uh, how would you say that the characters themselves developed throughout the show? You know, honestly, uh, as I mentioned, we didn't get to see much of Big John. So it was honestly so interesting to see what kind of person he is. It's not what I expected. So I feel like the development really changed there. Uh, John B, he's the, he's not the same person that he started out as. He's not like too drastically different, but I think it's very subtle and he's going through a lot. And I think that his character develops very well. And Mr. Singh is new this season. So I think that his character, it feels very well developed, even though he's brand new. And what do you think the message throughout this whole season or the whole show is? Yeah, so the 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 messages are like similar to season one and two. Uh, I would say that it's family is chosen, uh, change happens, and that you should accept it, and that mistakes are okay because they're a part of life. And it's also uh, chose the powerful, or the power of a love from friends is. Sounds like some really good messages. There are. There's also just a warning. There's some profanity, violence, and. Many, many risky things that kids should not do. <laughs> and then to finish this off, what would you give this first star rating and age recommendation? I give it five out of five stars and recommend it for ages 12 to 18 plus stories. Thank you for talking with me. Thank you for talking with me. Let's take a break. I'm Avon from Iowa, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. <laughs> To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Avalon from Iowa, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Turn Every Page, Outer Banks, Creed 3, and We Have a Ghost. And next up, we'll be listening to Catherine's interview with Chase Stokes and Rudy Pankow on Outer Banks. 
Hi, I'm Catherine reporting for Kids First, and today I have the opportunity to speak with Chase Stokes and Rudy Ponco about the third season of Outer Banks. Chase Stokes plays John B. in Outer Banks and is also known for his roles in One of Us is Lying, Tell Me Your Secrets, and One Catan, The Lost Island. Rudy Ponco plays JJ in the Outer Banks and is known for his roles in Uncharted and Chocolate Lizards. Come on, let's go see what they have to say. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get right into it. So, Mr. Stokes, how did you prepare for this season after a year of not filming? I've never been called Mr. Stokes. Mr. In my Stokes. Life. Ooh, um, <laughs> how did I? Show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, how did I prepare for this? Um, you know, it's, it's always a very similar. Uh, experience going back into it you know we usually get the first couple scripts and then from there it's usually in the group chat we all talk and sort of converse and say like uh oh how do we how are we going to do this um and then we do yeah and then we just kind of dive in i mean it's it's we sort of have found a routine for lack of better terms there's a groove yeah we get into the groove and then it's like we've been here before mm -hmm. i think yeah. we the season one was like okay we got through season one and i feel like they haven't gotten much worse like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The physical requirements. Yeah, 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 the physicality of it. I mean, yeah. we kind of know what we're getting into. Yeah. yeah. We know it's going to be high high adrenaline, action-packed. So, you know, I think during the off-season, we all do our best to stay in shape and, and to make sure that we're prepared for whatever, you know, our showrunners and writers throw at us. Yeah, and so as you mentioned, there are a lot of, like, scenes that are kind of crazy, and you're like, whoa, how do you film that? So, uh, Mr. Ponko, what were some of the most... <laughs> 25 show. Mr. Ponko. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. It sounds like my dad. Mr. Paul is my father. He's a, he's a doctor. Uh, continue. Doctor. Um, yeah. What were some of the most difficult scenes to film in? Were there any that you were scared to film? Scared to film? I think uh, it's really fun uh, to have uh, such a great team to like kind of talk through if there is a scary yeah. stunt or if there is something like that. Um, it, it, you know, it's all tested. You go through it. We have a great team that kind of runs it through it. But like anytime there's like a high chase scene, part of the pun, with like mm -hmm. um, with like boats or anything. That mm -hmm. can that can get pretty scary. Yeah, sure can. But Daniel's great. Our, Daniel's great. Daniel's our stunt great. coordinator, Daniel Hargrave, he's yeah. a legend in the industry, and he uh, literally makes sure that if there's anything that is of concern for us, he walks us through it step by step. And and we're very very fortunate that we have an incredible stunt team that kind of yeah. Does all the, and I I actually do want to mention like after what's happened this past year with stunts and. Mm -hmm. You know, we all were kind of so lucky enough to learn from that um, yeah. sad experience, um, that loss. And I think that see, that really affected, uh, I think, the entire film industry yeah. in general. So everyone is feeling very aware this aware. year yeah. with uh, stunts in particular. Yeah. So what, uh, Mr. Soaks, what were the most fun scenes to film? Ooh, I you think a fun one. <laughs> well, I think it honestly it goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about. As, as crazy as some of the stunts get, and as intense as the show can seem on screen, those moments that seem really intense are usually the most fun, mm. because there is a level of camaraderie that comes with the the intensity. Like everybody knows their positioning, they know what they need to do, and they know what happens. So like once you're kind of in that groove, like you said, mm -hmm. um, you you kind of just have a blast with it. And, you know, this cast, we're so fortunate because we have such an incredible cast. We have such an incredible crew that's been with us since the very beginning. Like, nothing has really changed. And, uh, you know, to be able to do this day in and day out with them, every scene and every day is a really fun one. Even if it's a tough day, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's we're all giving each other hugs and, and yeah. telling each other we love each other. And, and 
leaving it better than we left. I made it through. You did. Yeah. <laughs> you did alive. You're alive, man. I'm good. He has it. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Turned Every Page, Outer Banks, Creed 3, and We Have a Ghost. And right now, we're going to be continuing Catherine's review with Chase Stokes and Rudy Pankow on Outer Banks. Has, like, the director, uh, Jonas Pate, like, brought that out in you guys? And maybe how have you guys brought that out in each other? Um, yeah, I would say there, there was something uh, we were asked of, like, how has this related to your, like, own high school experience or mm-hmm. something like that? And I'm like, oh, surely we skipped as much school as these characters. <laughs> but at the same time, we had very similar kind of, at least the two of us have, uh, you know, parties on the beach, um, you know, people, tourist people, uh, kind of sides of the island and stuff like that. That's my, you know, my yeah, upbringing, similar right. to yours. And so, like, we kind of, like, that's something we, when we got the job, we were like, this is the elements, and we actually have kind of similarities with these characters. So we made sure to share that right out of the gates. Yeah. I think that was a good place to start. Okay, so... Uh, you've worked on, you guys both have worked on a lot of different projects and shows and movies. So how has working on Outer Banks been like a different experience? So it's like, what's made it different? Um, yeah. Good question. (laughs) It's fast. Um, I think the pace that we move versus the traditional film and TV project are night and day different. Um, you know, we have long episodes, we have long hours, we have long days, um, and it's forced us to be prepared in a way that I don't think I would have ever imagined moving in other projects that it would have prepared me for. Um, so in, in a weird way, you know, when you're tired at the end of the day and you're just, you know, beat to death from, you know, a long day on the show, it's, you appreciate it long term because it teaches you the lesson and, and the valuable lesson of, you know, failure to prepare is preparing to fail. And this is the type of show that if you're not prepared, you will fail. Yeah. So. No pressure there uh, for anybody coming on to be a guest star or know your lines. <laughs> yeah, no, I would I would second that. Um, I really think he's very good with words. He, I don't think I need to say anymore. <laughs> Have you guys watched uh, any of the show yet? Uh, um, snippets, snippets because ADR. Yeah. We have yeah. to. There's a every every scene that there's a Twinkie, um, the the car. Yes, uh, yeah. Um, uh, the van, it's not mm-hmm. a car, um, or a boat. That is all. That is all ADR. Uh, especially oh, and there's planes as well in this, yeah. in this season. The automobiles tend to force us to go to a sound studio and yeah. re-record lines. And yeah. so I agree. Yeah, I haven't I haven't really dove into it yet, um, but we see a lot of it because we. To be reported. A, a lot of automobiles. Yeah. Yes. What episodes are you excited to watch? The finale, I think. Yeah, number 10 is a, yeah, number 10 is a, it's a doozy. It's a doozy. Yeah, Get ready. It's a big one. <laughs> All right. Well, this is my last question. What do you hope that your audiences will take away from the show? Mm. Uh, hmm. I mean, it's, I won't, don't want to say the same thing we say mm. <laughs> usually, uh, which is, you choose your family and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But, like, um, what is something the audience is going to take away new this year? I would say it, it kind of finding your own paths. I think, like, there's there's things that get introduced in everyone's life that you might not be ready for. Um, and I think every character this season has a little bit of that. Or it's just like, I was not prepared for this. And every character goes through that this season. And so um, <clears throat> being okay with transformation 
Um, and when you're fighting it, uh, it's that's normal. Yeah. It's normal. Yeah, I'd say um, mistakes are okay. Mistakes are a part of growing up, and, yeah. and mistakes are a part of growth. And so instead of calling it a failure, call it half a mistake. Yeah. So. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thanks for being here and skipping yeah. school to be here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you, Rudy Ponko and Chase Stokes, for taking the time to talk with me today. Be sure to watch Outer Banks Season 3 when it releases on Netflix on February 23rd, 2023. I'm Catherine reporting for Kids First. Let's take a break. I'm Avalon from Iowa, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Avon from Iowa, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Turn Every Page, Outer Banks, Creed 3, and We Have a Ghost. And next up, we'll be listening to Zoe's interview with Myla Davis-Kent on Creed 3. Hi everyone, I'm Soika Nanette reporting for Kids First, and today I'm interviewing the young actress Mila Davis-Kent, who plays Amara in Creed 3. She was discovered from a nationwide casting call, and her previous credits include the 100th episode of The Resident, and this is her debut in a feature film. Hi Mila, it's a pleasure to meet you. You look beautiful. Hi. Oh, nice to meet you too. You look beautiful. I was just thinking that. You look beautiful too. Congratulations on this debut in your feature film. And mm -hmm. I know this is, of course, Michael B. Jordan's debut as a director, as well as yours, in, again, in a feature film. So was working on a film different than what you expected? Um, yes, it was. I would say that, um, you know, I thought it was going to be kind of easy, but then I wasn't sure how much I would actually be doing in the film and um you know how much i would be acting if it would be every day or not but i when i got there i realized oh wow it's so much more than i thought it was going to be i was in a lot of the scenes and acting is not always easy but it's a lot of fun and so i had a really good time i was very excited to be part of the film but still a little nervous at the same time yeah and amara has a very strong personality and she is fearless so was it hard to relate to that character no, it wasn't hard to relate to her. You know, Amara's personality is very similar to my personality in real life. So I felt like it was pretty, it was an easy character to, to play. 
Yeah, and you did a fantastic job doing so. And I think the film really shows the importance of family. You're welcome. And how we can solve problems without using violence. So how important do you think the messages of the film were? Hmm. Well, I would say that, um, you know, in talking about the movie, of course, the movie is just amazing. It is so awesome. It was so much fun to be a part of. And I would say that it really showed um, a lot about the deaf community as well as the black community too. And I loved being a part of it. I thought it was really, really good. And when you talk about family, I would say, yes, the message was about family because Amara is a very strong character and she doesn't break down. It's, she's a very strong character. But at the same time, families sometimes can be, there can be issues and problems that come up in family dynamics, right? So you have to recognize that. And at the same time, know that you're still going to be a family. You're still going to get through it together. So I think the creeds were a great family dynamic. And I think that it was nice to see all of those characters come together. I also think that, um, you know, sometimes there, of course, like any other family, there'd be arguments or disagreements but at the same time they're a great family unit they were so awesome in getting through it together and amara is very similar to her mom and dad she's got both personality traits inside of her which really helped her to develop as a character yeah everything you said was beautifully displayed in the film and i think amara really idolized her dad's career um, and wants to follow in his footsteps. So do you see yourself playing a young boxer maybe in Creed Four? Oh, well, let's keep our fingers crossed for a Creed Four. <laughs> I wish. Um, but Amara, you know, let's see what she does next. I don't totally could see her as a future fighter. Of course, we all would love that to happen. And um, I just hope that that could happen, you know? <laughs> let's remind Mike, let's write another story, another script for Amara. Um, but yeah, my goal would be that she would just continue to be a fascinating character. I don't feel like her story is finished in Creed Three. I think she could definitely go on to do more things. So I hope that that story is to be continued. Yes, so do I. And I love how you're dressed as a princess and Adonis Creed like a frog in one of the scenes. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Turn Every Page, Outer Banks, Creed 3, and We Have a Ghost. And right now we're going to be continuing Zoe's interview with Myla Davis-Kent on Creed 3. So what is your favorite animated film and what other character would you love to play in the future? Hmm... I would say some of my favorite animated films would be... Well, I have so many. How could I go through them all? But I would have to say probably um, The Princess and the Frog. <laughs> That's one of my favorite animated ones. And um, I would love to play other roles later on. Um, yes, I would love to play a character that would um, kind of be like Amara. And also I would love to be in a scary movie because I absolutely love horror films. So I would love to kind of delve into that character that was scary like that. And so let's see if that role comes available. Um, but also I was thinking that my dream would be to really continue this story. Oh, I just wanted to say one other thing as well. Um, 
yeah, so it would be another Creed film, a character similar to Amara, a horror film or a scary film. Any of those would be amazing if I could be in a role like that. Absolutely. I'd love to see you in a horror film as well. And what is one of your best memories working on the set of Creed 3? Hmm, let me think about it. Oh, I have so many great memories. But I would have to say one of my favorites is, oh gosh, there's so many. Okay. Um, well, when you just mentioned when Mike dressed up like a frog and I was in the princess outfit, that was one of my favorite scenes. And it would be because um, that was so much fun to play. You know, we had a make-believe tea party. We had a lot of fun making that scene together. And I feel like we had so much fun. We were able to just kind of let loose and be really hilarious with each other, which was so fun. And you never picture Mike dressing up as a frog, right? So it's really so, so hilarious to see him in that costume. I was able to play in the pool. We had a lot of snacks that day. That was just a great scene um, to be a part of. And then I remember when Mike signed to me, do you want more tea? That was one of my favorite lines. <laughs> it was really fun to have him as my father in that moment. I felt like we got along really easily in that scene. Yeah, and you could definitely see that on screen. And how do you think your, your character in this film is going to impact the American Sign Language community? Well, I would say that I'm hoping this film really impacts the deaf community. When they see it, I want them to feel proud of themselves. I want them to see to feel proud of what they can do and what they can accomplish. I want to remind them, and especially those hearing parents who have deaf children, to remember to learn sign language for their kids. You want to be able to make sure that your kids have a better life, and you do that through communication. So if there's no communication at home, if you're not able to talk to each other, then you don't really have those relationships, right? And then how is your kid gonna grow up and be able to know what they can do in life? But when you can communicate like my character did, and I'm deaf in real life, obviously, but my character too, her parents were able to learn sign language. And so it's nice that she was able to have that communication at home. And I want other people to be able to have a life like that. Um, and know how their life is going because they're able to communicate with people at home in their language, like me. Yes, my family does that in real life as well. We all sign at home. Yeah, I actually I know a little bit of sign language. You know, this is movie theater. Um, I know sign oh, language. Right. Wow, good job! You can sign. Thank you. Um, and how do you think your character is going to inspire other girls? I really hope that this movie inspires other girls to look at Amara and realize that it's not just boys who can do things, right? And girls don't have to be stuck in a box just doing quote unquote girl things. We can box, we can play basketball, we can play baseball, we can do whatever we put our mind to, we can do whatever boys can do. I think this movie will inspire girls to know that they can be strong, they can be brave, and you can look at Amara and see how tough she is in real life. No one can tell her no, she ignores all the negativity and just doesn't allow it to get her down. So I'm hoping that that will inspire other girls to take a lesson from that and not let other people push you to the side, but be strong and brave. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mila. It's such a pleasure talking to such a beautiful, talented and smart young woman. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate the interview. Thank you for letting me chat with you. And I hope you have a nice day. It was so nice to meet you.
You too. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much for watching. It was such a pleasure interviewing the young Mila. If you like this video as much as I did, make sure to give it a big thumbs up. Check out some of our other Kids First reviewers and reporters on this channel. Let's take a break. I'm Avalon from Iowa, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Avon from Iowa, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Turn Every Page, Outer Banks, Creed 3, and We Have a Ghost. Next up, we'll be listening to Natalia's interview with Christopher Landon on We Have a Ghost. Hello, I am Natalia Jackson from Kids First, and today I'm interviewing director and writer Christopher Landon about his new family-friendly horror film, we have a ghost based on the 2017 short story, Ernest by Geoff Manaw. It releases on Netflix February 24th of 2023. Welcome to the show, Mr. Landon, how are you? I'm great, I'm very excited to be here. That's wonderful to hear, I'm excited to be here as well. So to get us started, how does it feel to be directing your first film since the pandemic? I know that completely shifted the entire film industry. How was it like jumping back into that? Um, it was challenging but exciting mm -hmm. you know because i was so eager to get back to a film set and mm -hmm. to meet the challenges you know look we were you know masked up the whole time mm -hmm. we were getting tested all the time my nose has never seen so much action um but you know it was it was all in all in the service of trying to sort of make entertainment and make something fun mm -hmm. and exciting for people so it's all worth it I can only imagine how hectic it must have been on set, but I'm sure it came with so many memorable memories and so much fun. And following that, what inspired you to convert the short story, Ernest, into a feature film? I was very taken by, by the idea of sort of inverting a traditional haunted house story, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I, I grew up watching horror films and a lot of ghost stories. And I just thought this was a really fresh and unique way to tell that kind of a story and also something that felt really character driven um, and also really grounded. Um, and I think the social media aspect of the movie really provided that, you know, just this idea of like, well, if you found a ghost in your house, you'd probably film it and you'd probably post it. That is so relatable and so realistic, especially with our generation and our time now. And, and speaking of the social media aspect, um, usually horror films don't really allow 
the fear, the fear part of it, which would usually be the murderer or someone involved like that. And the human who's trying to get away from them become friends and work together, which is such a completely different component of this film. I think is a key difference from usual horror films. So besides that, what are some of the key differences and similarities between the original short story and the We Have a Ghost screenplay? The short story focused a lot on Frank, on, mm -hmm. on Kevin's dad and sort of the, his shenanigans and him sort of like, you know, stalking the ghost and filming him and, and posting it. And I really wanted to create a, a story engine sort of out of the mystery of what happened to Ernest. So, um, you know, I really wanted to play up this idea of like, well, he doesn't know who he is. He can't remember anything. He doesn't know why he's in this house or how he died. And so that I think allowed for me to sort of build out a quest, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it gave Ernest and Kevin something to do together. And also I, you know, invented the, the created the character of joy, you know, that, that was something else I brought. And also of course, having this external threat, you know, with this sort of shadowy little sort of CIA program that's been yes. after ghosts. And so that also kind of was able, that helped add some some tension and some conflict into, into the story. And speaking of the relationship between Kevin and Ernest, I feel like Kevin was so, as besides Joy being one of his main motivations, he was very dedicated to want to help Ernest because he also felt stuck himself within his own family. And, and you definitely see the relationship between them. It's very personal for Kevin. Why do you think it was so important to really focus, especially in the beginning scenes when he's kind of checking out the house? Why do you think it was so important to really focus on the background between Kevin compared to his brother? Yeah, I mean, look, I wanted to, I wanted Kevin to be this, this old soul and this character that, like you said, feels a bit lost in his world. It's almost like he's, mm -hmm. he belonged in another time. He likes, old music. He likes to wear vintage clothes. Um, he's not terribly preoccupied with his phone um, mm -hmm. unless he's listening to music. Um, and so for me, it was like, here's this, this guy that ultimately um, finds a, a kinship with a ghost because they mm -hmm. have so many similarities. And he's also mm -hmm. in some ways, Ernest is a bit of a father figure. Yeah, really the whole movie is just very much about those two characters and sort of their dynamics and and Kevin sort of really wanting to to help him. Mm -hmm. I actually never thought about it that way. I didn't realize that Kevin might have thought about him in the father figurely way, mm -hmm. but it does really bring on to the film. I completely understand that. So thank you for pointing that out. You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Turn Every Page, Outer Banks, Creed 3, and We Have a Ghost. And right now, we'll be continuing Natalia's interview with Christopher Landon on We Have a Ghost. Um, you've made quite a name for yourself in the horror movie genre. What makes We Have a Ghost different from your other films that you've brought to life? Um, you know, We Have a Ghost is, um, I think, first of all, it's, it's a movie that you can really watch with your whole family. Um, mm -hmm. So not, not little kids, little intense for the little ones, but it really is a movie that like I wanted, I wanted to use to sort of bring people together <clears throat> to have that viewing experience. Um, because mm -hmm. I do think that there's something for everybody in it. Yeah. Um, and I also wanted it to be a movie that kind of was, it reached back into my own childhood when <laughs> movies like Gremlins, you know, and E.T. and, you know, movies that were allowed to be a little bit edgy and a little bit dangerous, but still safe. You know, 
Um, and so, yeah, it's very much a love letter to a lot of the movies that I grew up watching. Well, it most definitely mastered the balance between fun and family friendly while still adding a little bit of horror, drama, and overall just thrill. And what really brought that to life was the casting behind this film. Your cast is filmed with well-known actors such as David Harbour, Jahi Winston, and Jennifer Coolidge. What was the most important consideration when selecting the cast for this film? Um, I, I'm always after honesty and authenticity. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like people that, that, are, that are open, feel real, feel relatable, recognizable. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that, that, that's what I am always trying to find when it mm. comes to casting. And, and I think each, each person in this film um, is unique um, and gifted, you know? Like, mm. it's an it's a amazing cast. I'm mm. truly lucky. Oh, and they portray the characters so amazing. I mean, Jahi Winston's portrayal, portrayal of Kevin is so spot on, particularly his music abilities. Is it what you say? Is that what singled him out for you when casting for this role? Was was that really just a big component? Because he really had it going there. You know, he had some intense skills in the film. So here's what's funny. So I saw I saw Jahi in a movie called Charm City Kings, and I immediately mm -hmm. knew he was the right guy. Like I mm -hmm. I was I, and I wanted and I, he was the first piece of casting. Like we built the mm -hmm. movie around Jahi. Um, and the funny thing was that Kevin, I always made Kevin sort of a very a musical character who played the guitar and mm -hmm. I wrote that he could sing but I actually had no idea that mm -hmm. Jahi could sing and um and then someone said oh well you know he was on Broadway like he was in The Lion King which <laughs> which I didn't know about right so uh -huh. I, I find this out and I think oh well this this is gonna be good I think this will mm -hmm. be okay and then he re he went and he recorded his vocals mm -hmm. for one mm -hmm. of the scenes and then I remember listening to it for the first time and I got chills. Like, I was like, oh God, like he, he, he doesn't sing, like he sings. Um, so it was like, that's when I just felt like the stars aligned, you know, because I got everything. You know, again, sometimes you sort of, you make little sort of quiet compromises and concessions, you know, when you make a film. And this was one of those where I was like, man, did I hit the jackpot? Like he, he, he did everything I needed him to do mm -hmm. and more. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. And this film, you guys did a wonderful job. And just to end it off, I know that this film was overall just a horror and thrill film, but there's always a deeper meaning behind that. And to you, what do you hope the audience will take away from watching this film? You know, I hope that people, you know, first, I hope they just sort of enjoy the ride, you know, that they mm -hmm. feel like they've been on a, on a journey. Um, but at the end of it, yeah, I mean, I think that they sort of walk away from it sort of wanting to sort of pull their loved ones closer, you know? Because um, I think that's ultimately what the movie's about. The movie really speaks to sort of like our time on this earth together is limited um, and you don't want to spend it feeling disconnected and apart, you know? Like we're in this together, so, you know, give somebody a hug. <laughs> that is a good one. Go ahead and give somebody a hug today. Thank you so much, Christopher Landon, for taking the time to speak with me today about We Have a Ghost, which releases on Netflix February 24th of this year. And that is it for now. I had a wonderful time. Once again, thank you, Christopher. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. 
Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press for Kids, KidsWorld.com, and Kidsville News. The show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. I'm Avalon from Iowa, reporting for Kids First. Goodbye! Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode, and tune in again next week.